right, all right, all right. Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's Brian Forbes. You are tuned in with The Black Factor. And what we're going to talk about this evening has to do with the upcoming distribution of these vaccines. All right, all right. So getting started right quick. <clears throat> Let me uh, jump straight in. Right off the top, I want to start with Kyle Rittenhouse. Y'all remember this young dude, a 17-year-old from Addison, Illinois, I think it was, and he went over to Wisconsin when they were having the protest, and he's the one who ended up killing two people and injuring a third. Well, apparently they went to court on some pretrial stuff in the last few days, and he has been told that he will have to stand trial, which he should have to stand trial anyway. He actually murdered two people. We're talking about he'd been charged with two homicides, and injuring a third, which is another, I guess, assault and battery type charge. But the thing that I find the most incredible, number one, is that he even was able to be given a bail. He should never have been given a bail. Most people on double homicides don't get a bail. But they did set the bail at $2 million, which brings me to my point. Apparently, the guy, Michael Lindale, Michael J. Lindale, the owner and founder of my pillow that's the company that makes the pillow that's supposed to be so comfortable the my pillow he and the actor ricky schroeder i think that was the guy from um uh, saved by the Bell. i don't remember which one of them shows he was on but these two managed to raise the two million dollars to get this guy out on bail and you know i just it just makes me wonder if 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 kyle rittenhouse had been a black 17 year old with an ar-15 claiming that he is defending the property of people in a whole different state than where he lives, underaged, somewhere he doesn't even, he don't even pay taxes on property, but he's out here calling himself protecting somebody else's property, kills two people, and you have people like Michael J. Lindell and Ricky Schroeder and scores of other individuals who are calling him a patriot. They're calling him a hero. Now, the thing I find most interesting is that because we, if we remember correctly, this protest was about the fact that a black man, an unarmed black man, had been shot in the back seven times, damn near at point blank range. Yet all of the individuals, all of the players in this particular part of this story are all Caucasian. So the shooter, Kyle Rittenhouse, white, both victims of uh, the shooting, both the uh, homicide victims, white, the third individual who was shot and injured white. I just find it all very interesting. Either way, I hope justice is served and served correctly. Interesting little tidbit though, the it turns out that the my pillow company actually is in is in Minnesota as well. We're going to wait and see how that plays out. Here's the interesting thing. Brings me to my next point. It turns out that and I didn't know this. I just found this out today. It turns out that Donald Trump is the first president in 17 years almost two decades, to enact, or should I say reinstate, the federal death penalty. And he did that. He had Bill Barr, William Barr, who, in fact, Donald Trump is upset with right now because he went against him and said that there was no corruption in the election, and his job is right now on, on the line. I just think that's amazing for all of the ass-kissing that he did up to Donald Trump up to this point. Then it turns that they're now they had they had some executions last year, but it turns out that there are going to be five executions before Donald Trump leaves office. 
all five black people. Brandon Bernard is scheduled to be executed on December 10th. And that happens to be International Human Rights Day of all days. Imagine that. There was a schedule for a Lisa Montgomery, black woman, to be executed on December 8th, except that her lawyers contracted COVID, so they have had to put a delay on her execution. And she suffers from, apparently, mental illness and had been a victim of gang rape, child sex trafficking, incest, and the list goes on. And they do say that she has mental illness. If she has nothing else, she has PTSD, I'm sure. Then on January the 14th, Corey Johnson is supposed to be executed. Uh, Dustin Higgs, and Dustin Higgs, by the way, it's been said that he didn't kill anybody. Even the guy who was supposed to be his accomplice confessed to having done the murders, and they're going to execute this guy, Dustin Higgs, anyway. Dana Brock says this is a retaliation against a black tsunami vote on November 3rd. You're absolutely correct. And that is exactly where I was going with this. You know, it's interesting that we <laughs> he tried his platinum plan. That didn't go over so well. So now he's upset. He's mad. So he's going to act out like bullies and crybabies do. You know, the bully crybaby types. They can't help themselves. They got to get their wine on. You know, he's going he gonna to show out. So uh, apparently... He's going to make an example out of five black folks before he leaves office and they will all be executed federally, which again, 17 years. That's how long it's been since there's been a federal execution. This is the same guy who asked for the death penalty for the Central Park Five. The same guy who took out a full page ad to say that he wanted to see these five innocent, found to be innocent individuals executed so maybe he has a thing for executing black people and don't get me and don't get me wrong i am in no way defending uh the crimes that these people may have committed or did commit or were convicted of committing because some of them are kind of heinous i ain't, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie they, they pretty way out i'm on the fence about the death penalty that's just one of those things because i just personally don't believe that other human beings have the right to decide that someone should be executed or not and i find it even more interesting that you could be against abortion, but you could be for execution. How does that work? Somebody help me with that one. I'm 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 sorry. You you can't have both. You you can't you know play both ends against the middle. You can't ride that fence. Pick a side. Anyway, that brings me to today's topic, which is we're gonna talk about this vaccine that's coming out. Now, the whole problem to me with this vaccine situation is that, and I'm speaking, I guess, more specifically toward black folks, us. I mean, this is the black factor, y'all. <laughs> that's that's where you at right now. You are at the you are in the black factor. Okay, it's like the twilight zone, except when you come out of here, you get a double dose of reality because I'm about to give it to you. All right, the vaccine. Now I've heard a lot of people say that they are. Maybe going to take it. I've heard people say they're not going to take it. I've heard people say that they're not going to be forced to take it, even if they're healthcare workers. But they have made it clear that the first people who are going to receive the 
vaccine will be frontline healthcare workers and the elderly in a lot of these nursing homes and that sort of thing. That's all good. Here's the question. As an African-American, black person, Negro, whatever you call yourself, how do you feel about this vaccine? There's a lot of speculation in the media and otherwise about whether or not black folks are going to be willing to voluntarily allow what amounts to a government lobbied vaccine to be injected into our black bodies. Now, that may sound really racist. Uh, uh, no, I can't be racist. I'm black. And despite popular belief, you can't be black and racist. I don't want to get into that right now. I can explain it, though. It may sound, but I mean, I'm directing it at the people who are the most concerned, because let's be honest, ain't too many other folks in this country been experimented on the way black folks have. So there are multiple pharmaceutical companies coming out with their new products. They're coming out with their new uh, um, uh, vaccines. They've all seemingly made one within weeks of one another, which I find also very interesting. And you'd think, why would why wouldn't anybody why why wouldn't you want to take it? You know, if you think, you know, it's gonna keep you from getting sick or make you safe. But the problem is that the amount of mistrust in the black community toward the medical establishment in America is incredible. I mean, that that particular fault line runs very, very deep. In fact, it runs to the core of everything we are about being black in America despite what others may think, or even what many black folks think. I'm gonna drop some facts on you. In fact, y'all know I like to tie current events to history, and we are about to do just that. So historically, all the atrocities that have been pitted against people of color are not taught in mainstream academia. And I'm gonna start with the indigenous people of this country. Now, I'm only and I'm just saying off top when the indigenous individuals who were forced out of their homelands in the east part of these United States, when the colonizers took over, they sent an awful lot of these indigenous people, the ones that would go to other parts of the country. And in the midst of doing so, they also provided them with blankets laced with smallpox. It's kind of like that Trojan horse story. How do you trust a government that you know will willingly poison to create genocide among an entire race of people? We know what they're capable of. We've been watching this for a couple of hundred years. History tells us exactly what we're dealing with. So how many times do you continue or allow a government, a group, people to do you in with the skullduggery because this is skullduggery. Most people in the black community are aware of all of the experimentation that took place. Most white folks are not. Why? Because like I said before, these things are not taught in mainstream academia. They don't teach them in their history books about the way they did black people. They don't talk about the brutality of slavery. They don't talk about the way they used human bodies as livestock. They don't tell that in the classrooms to the white students who cannot believe when they become adults, not in their wildest dreams, 
that their family, their friends, and their ancestors would treat another group of people this way. Many of them don't even care, to be honest with you. Dennis McCullum says just because the president gets the vaccine doesn't mean I'm getting the vaccine. I don't know what they're getting versus what I'm getting. And that is exactly the point of this particular show. Yesterday, I don't know if any of you paid attention or noticed, but on previous shows, I've talked about the amount of people who are dead and have are dying from COVID-19. One of the points that I made was that in the coming days, there will be more people who will die in one day than died on 9-11 in the Twin Towers every single day moving forward. Yesterday was the record high. It hit 2,000. 800 and 2,800, I believe, in, in, in 80 something. That's roughly 100 people away from being the same amount of people that died in the Twin Towers in New York on 9-11. Every day, they have a running count right now that's up into, well into uh, the thousands, one or 2,000 already. The day is not over. And tomorrow we'll get another number. Now, keep in mind, we still haven't seen the surge hit yet from the Thanksgiving holiday because we know just how many people have chilled out with each other over the Thanksgiving holiday who haven't, these, these illnesses have not manifest yet. It's coming though. We are reaching record highs and the numbers are growing daily. So how much longer will it be before we hit 3,000 per day of people dying from COVID? Now there's still black folks running around here talking about COVID don't exist. But the, here's the difference. We are aware that culturally speaking, that the context of this virus is different for us. We already know that it disproportionately affects us. One of the reasons why it disproportionately affects us, see, and this is where we get, this is where we, we go back. And I'm, I'm going to hit the hard points in a minute. But the fact is that black folks, we don't go to the doctor as much as we should partially because we don't have much trust in the medical field where we are concerned and with good reason. I'm going to get into that in a minute. So we're less likely to attend doctors. Therefore, we have those pre-existing conditions that allow a virus like COVID to enter our bodies and do damage in ways that we are not prepared for our bodies to fight off. We're dealing with vaccine companies that have created vaccines historically that are questionable that have affected our own children this is and has been throughout the history of our time in this country somewhat of a medical apartheid where our medical what we get medically is not the same as what others get and in fact in case a lot of people don't know this you know you hear people say oh we bleed the same this and that well there's a little bit this is somewhat true but there are things about Black people, biologically, physiologically, that are very different because we don't focus more on that or, or make that a point to deal with in the medical field. Our people who become doctors are taught the Western medical way of doing things, and they're taught according to the way the standards are set for whites. They're not dealing with things like sickle cell. They're not dealing with some of the other high numbers of diabetes and other illnesses that predominantly affect black people. There's only so much information and so much 
research that is done in that way. So that leaves us at a disadvantage. And that's why more of us need to make sure that we press our children, the next generations, into these areas that we once dominated. See, a lot of people don't know that. There were no slaves until they got to America. Prior to that, and you have to, and I told y'all on another occasion, there are a few books that you probably need to check out. And one of them is Stolen Legacy. And you'll begin to understand just how far behind we actually are. Because we are not as advanced as one would believe that we are. And in fact, a lot has been taken away. The problem is that many of us don't know that. If we really knew our power and our strength and where we came from and what the knowledge was prior to having been stolen from our homeland, because it's not the dirt floors and jungles that they always depict on TV and the other things like that. There was a lot more to this. We ain't going to get into that history right now. <laughs> America has a dark history of medical experimentation on black people. Medical schools have disproportionately used black people to do live surgeries and surgical demonstrations. And I'm not talking about in recent years. I'm talking about historically. Now, you got to remember this, too. Black folks. And this is this is what I find most amazing about a lot of this. Black people having been used experimentally during colonial years who were not considered human. You got to remember, black folks was considered livestock and dumb. They didn't know nothing. These are the people that they used to experiment on so that they could protect their, perfect their craft in order to work on white folks. Now, I find that pretty amazing. And this has been going on for a very long time. A lot of doctors right now today, and I'm sure some of you have experienced this, are very dismissive about the way black people feel about medicine. They're dismissive about the concerns of black patients. They think that, you know, we should just be OK with everything, which is very much the same as the way white people feel about black people in society. They think that black folks had the same opportunities that they have and we're lazy and we don't do this, that or the other because they have been conditioned to believe that they know more about black life and about what black people go through than we do. And we are also told how to feel about everything. We don't get to make a decision about how we feel about how what's being done to us. It's not up to us, according to them. And we should just get on board and do as we're told. See, those are the, the inconsiderate parts, the parts where they're not concerned about how we feel about things. This particular mindset is is more of a byproduct of the very system and the media propaganda. This is what dictates and narrates the images of black life for white people. They make their minds up based on falsehoods for the most part. Most white folks who have drawn particular conclusions, and this includes doctors, have drawn these conclusions usually based on media. I actually heard at uh, somewhere one day I was, I was listening to a, uh, an interview. Somebody was going around interviewing several white people in, in another country, actually, and some in this country. And they asked how these people drew their conclusions or what they knew about black people. Where did they get their information from? Most of them said from the media, rap music, television shows and movies, which if you think about it, that means we're in deep doo doo when it comes to what people think about us, because we know that the images that we see 
all the time in media are not the images of who we are because we're not a monolithic people. We are as diverse, in fact, more diverse than just about any other race on the planet. We have every shade, every hue, every color. We have every talent. We have every idea. The amount of inventions and things that we have created to make this world a better place are infinite. But do we get credit for those things? See, that's where, where the issue comes in. We always make, a, make it a point to discuss the fact that we have to, uh, uh, that conversation with our children about law enforcement, right? Y'all know how everybody has that, well, we got to explain to our kids how to behave when they're dealing with the police. Now, the other conversation that nobody ever talks about that has been had on multiple occasions, particularly between a man and his woman, a father and his son, and so on. That's the conversation about going to the doctor. How many of us have had to have that conversation? How many of us have been harassed or pushed by one of our loved ones to go to the doctor and maybe we don't want to go? Now, I'm not saying me because I will go, I, especially if I need to get taken care of. <laughs> don't get it twisted. But think about how many people we know who literally won't go near a doctor until they're damn near on their deathbed because of the fear of medicine. Because like Dennis pointed out earlier in this feed, we don't know what we're getting. Just because you say that's what's in that syringe you sticking in my arm, I don't have no proof of what that is. I have to take your word for it, and I don't even know you. I don't know you like that. I don't trust you. How do I know the pharmaceutical company is not paying you an extra amount of money to do something to me or those around me? See, these are the conversations or this conversation about us having to go to the doctor is that other conversation that we don't have. I'm sorry, that we do have similar to the one about how you act around the police. But nobody talks about that conversation, not openly and outwardly. A lot of black men don't go to the doctor and for good reason. Black people are wary of medicine. Unless we're on our deathbed. <laughs> don't forget. Tina Marie say, I didn't even want to be at the hospital giving birth longer than I needed to be. Exactly. Exactly. So here's the thing, Tina, and I'm about to get to that right now. Many black women are treated very differently in medicine. Why? Because the image of black women is that they're strong. Strong like a heifer, like a big old cow, like a big old animal, like a horse. They're strong. Now let's remember, black folks at one time in America, and we talking less than, what, 150 years ago? Were considered, in fact, shit, probably shorter time than that because it didn't take slavery for people to believe that black folks was livestock because that's the way they were treated. And women were actually checked for what is referred to as soundness. That's a term used when they check an animal to make sure that he is sound. In other words, you don't want to pay for an animal that's not going to survive, it's not going to last. So they have to check them for soundness. So the problem became this and still is often this because black women are seen that way, because see, you can you can teach a doctor 
some things academically. They can go to medical school and learn certain things academically. But the question is, can you teach them compassion? Can you teach them how to love? Can you teach them what needs to be in their heart to do their job properly and see black women the same as they see white women and treat them accordingly? There was a time when doctors, and we're talking in the 1800s when anesthesia was still fairly new, did not, and they, but they had some forms of numbing, but they did not anesthetize black women. Keep in mind, these women were also slaves at the time. They didn't have a choice. Black women were not given proper medication, anesthesia, or recovery based on the perceptions born out of ignorance and a history of mistreatment. And I'm going to tell y'all like I tell you all the time, don't believe none of this stuff that I'm telling you. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to look it up. I want you, I want to be able to plant these seeds so that your curiosity is sparked enough where you actually go back and you check into some of the things that I'm saying just for your own knowledge. Because there's only so much I can give you in an hour, an hour and a half, however long my show runs. There's so much more to learn about all of these things. And when you start going down those rabbit holes, they get deep. And sometimes you need to go down them because there's things that you need to know. One of the most famous of human experiments on black people was the Tuskegee experiment. This experiment spanned a period of 40 years, 40 years, one experiment. Okay, it started in 1932. It went from 1932 to 1972. When the United States Public Health Service, now I want you to hear me again, the United States Public Health Service, that is a government entity, the United States government conducted experiments on black men who suffered from syphilis. The thing is, if I were to say that the United States government itself actually injected syphilis into these men, there would be those who would say, nope, that's not true. For all I know, it may not be true. There were 200 men. Hell, that would have been considered an epidemic back then by itself. But if I said that they did this, and they actually didn't. The question becomes, would it matter? Would it matter whether they actually did inject them with syphilis or not? I don't believe it would because the distrust beyond what they've done is so great, you can't help but to believe it anyway. Does it matter that you don't believe whether they actually injected them with syphilis or not? Knowing there were cures for it moving forward, but they wanted to continue doing what they were doing. Fact is, we don't know, and we probably never will. In that case, it may as well be true. The lies and deceit levied on black people by the United States government alone, which also includes, and not limited to, government redlining. Let's not forget about that. See, you gotta remember, this is not the, the, the mistreatment of black people in this country beyond slavery is epic. It is ongoing. It's a shame is what it is. But these are government sponsored things. 1932 to 1972, they were experimenting on black men with syphilis from the 1940s well into the 1970s. Redlining was legal, all sponsored by the United States government. Who's behind the pushing and producing 
of this vaccine that they're saying that we all need to take. We're the disproportionate ones. We're disproportionately affected by it. So guess who they're going to push it on? And are they thinking that maybe black folks should trust them? I mean, forgive me. I'm, I'm struggling with that one. Redlining kept black folks corralled in certain geographic communities. Redlining created the ghettos that they make so much fun of. The projects and all the other things that they like to joke about and, and, and the cliches about black folks. This was all created by the United States government. You would think that black folks would be anti-government. This is why, even though, you know, I know the system is out there and we can improve on the system, but we got to be a part of it. And that's why when people start talking about, oh, don't vote, it don't matter. It's not true. And if anything, this particular election should have been an absolute civics lesson for many, many people. If you paid attention whatsoever, this was a crash course on on elections, on, our, on the civics of it all and the Electoral College and proof that your vote does matter, because if it didn't. Trust and believe Benedict Donald would be getting sworn in again on January 20th. See, they put black folks in these communities, limit or remove the resources, take away all your opportunities and make it where you can't go nowhere else. You're stuck there and you wonder why black folks got a problem with the United States government. Now, this is what they did. They got 200 men. And I, and I find it difficult to believe that they just rounded up 200 men with syphilis out of nowhere. So I'm thinking they probably did inject them with it. But they were told if they participated in this study that they would be given free medical care, meals, and burial insurance if they would participate in the study. And you got to remember 1932, we're talking about a time where poverty was a thing. Folks didn't have much. You know, you're talking about some Depression era stuff. All of these men for 40 years went untreated. That is barbaric. What they wanted to do, the public health service, was to study the effects of untreated syphilis. Now, because of lack of education, information, these men never knew what they were being treated for. According to the Centers for Disease Control, another government agency, they were all told that they were being treated for having bad blood. What the hell is bad blood? This is what they were told. Every one of these men, well, not every one of them. Some of them did get out. All of these men died a slow, painful death, slow and painful death. A lot of their wives also ended up with syphilis. A lot of their children were born with syphilis, untreated. All of this finally stopped in 1972. 40 years. I want you to think about that. That's a lifetime. And Senator Edward Kennedy was the one who called for the Senate hearings in 1973 that finally put an end to this atrocity. Now, yet again, during World War II, the United States government took 60,000 black enlisted men to study the effects of mustard gas on black skin. Now, if you know anything about your history, you'll know that during World War II, black soldiers almost didn't get to do anything. Most of them were cooks, people who waited on other people and that kind of thing. They didn't they didn't do a lot of fighting. That's why things like the Tuskegee Airmen and others are 
such an important part of the history of World War II. Even the ones who actually did fight and were on the front lines were not given the accolades, rewards, and medals that they deserved. And they were pushed over, looked over, and dismissed. Once again, your United States government. So they put these 60, took 60,000 black enlisted men and wanted to try and find out whether their skin would, would react differently than white skin. See, so here we go again. And that shows you right there that they themselves knew that there are differences between us and them. But here's what we need to understand as a fact, a scientific fact. All things come from black. Nothing. Look at your color wheel. Nothing comes from white. And I said that to say this. Black folks, black women are the mother of this earth. Everything born that walks on two legs and calls themselves human derived from that of a black woman. She can give birth to all things. A white woman can't do that. That's not a slight against white people. It's just a fact. Vaccines have arguably been linked to the increase in autism. I want y'all to think about this. When I was coming up, you had a couple of students that needed medicine here and there, that kind of thing. Nowadays, if you go to these schools, most of these kids have medication. I will never forget the time one of my daughters was in the orchestra and they were doing a class trip out of town and the chaperones, everybody had a big meeting where all of the parents that was, that was involved, everybody showed up and everybody came and they got to talking about, they talked about all the stuff that everybody needed to do. Then it came time to talk about the kids and their medication. Literally the whole room was handing in medication to the school nurse for their student. And I found it amazing. And I turned to my wife and I said, what ever happened? What happened that all of these kids are on medicine now? When, when did we turn this corner in, in the history of schools and that kind of thing? What happened? Like, why, why are all these kids on medication? And what I find amazing is that there was a time when something like autism was rare. You didn't see it or even hear about it. Now, it's like every third kid has autism. But now you also have to remember, too, and I, that's why I say this is vaccines are arguably been linked, have arguably been linked to the increase in autism. But you think about the way uh, um, vaccines are given now versus the way they were when we were a child 50 years ago. Now they're given in cocktails and all kinds of other stuff. And these children are being affected by these things. They, the pharmaceutical companies and the government claim that it has nothing to do with it. Well, I don't care what anybody says. Autism don't just show up one day and start doing what it does without some help. Uh, shameless plug time. You get your copy of The Black Factor in the health factor of the book. That's the chapter called The Health Factor. I talk about all of these things that we're discussing right now in depth, particularly the part about the autism and the medications. I mean, in the vaccine. Now, let's talk about Henrietta Lacks. Who doesn't know who Henrietta Lacks is? Henrietta Lacks is the woman who they say has the eternal gene. In other words, for whatever reason, her DNA is what has been used in the medical profession to study cancer since she first went into the doctors. They removed her tissue 
and continue to grow her tissue in labs and have for decades without her permission. In fact, there's a movie out, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the name of it, but there is a movie out um, about Henrietta Lacks. I suggest you watch that. But yet another scenario where a black person has been experimented on without their own permission by who other than the medical industry and the United States government. Let's talk about Virtus Hardiman. Virtus Hardiman, at the age of five, he plus nine other children were exposed to radiation as an experiment. All little black children whose parents consented to this. In fact, they all were exposed to radiation and he lived, he lived a very good life, made a lot of money, but he went through his entire life with a big hole in his head. Literally, he had a hole in his head and he wore hats his entire life to cover it up. This was all from a government sponsored experiment on black children. There's a man by the name of Dr. Samuel Cartwright. He came up with a disease of slaves. It was called draptomania. Draptomania it was a mental illness, according to him, that he created in 1851. And it said that this disease made slaves want to escape. Imagine that you're a slave. And if you want to escape from slavery, you have a, you have a disease. Uh, okay. On the uh, Henrietta Lacks part, her gene was called the immortal human cell. Yeah. And they did that without her permission. Of course, none of her descendants have ever been compensated for that. In Virtus Hardiman's case, his family was told by the hospital in a misrepresentation that the treatment was a cure for scalpel ringworm and the experiment left him with a large hole in his head. According to Dr. Samuel Cartwright and his draptomania, this was part of his diagnosis. From the careless movements of the individuals affected with the complaint, they are apt to do much mischief, which appears as if intentional, but is mostly owing to the stupidness of mind and insensibility of the nerves induced by the disease. Thus, they break, waste, and destroy everything they handle, abuse horses and cattle, tear, burn, or rend their own clothing, and paying no attention to the rights of property, steal others to replace what they have destroyed. They wander about at night and keep in a half-nodding sleep during the day. They slight their work, cut up corn, cane, cotton, or tobacco when hoeing it, as if for mischief, they raise disturbances with their overseers and fellow servants without cause or motive and seem to be insensible to pain when subjected to punishment. Insensible to pain when subjected to punishment. Now, I want y'all to know this was written in a medical journal, by the way. <laughs> yep, they, they actually published this as research by a doctor. Like I said, don't forget, Get your copy of the Black Factor, y'all. BMForbes.com. It's available. My last, but not to be left out, great white person who experimented on black people. Not that he was the last, because there are plenty more. But these are the ones who stand out the most. James Marion Sims. If you don't know who that is, he is considered the father of modern gynecology. Hmm. 
And how did he get there? Well, because he performed shocking and brutal experiments on black female slaves. Not just black female slaves. He, he performed experiments on a lot of slaves of both genders, but the women were the main one. Now, during the time when he was practicing medicine, it was considered distasteful and basically not done to treat women, white women, uh, women in general. It was like one of those modest kind of things. You know, men weren't supposed to be doctors. Weren't, and, you know, women weren't allowed to be doctors because women didn't have any rights during these times. And uh, it was considered distasteful and rarely done to treat or uh, do anything dealing with women. This is the guy. And I know you ladies are going to cringe when I say this part. This is the guy. This is the guy who created, who invented the vaginal speculum, the tool that they use for dilation and examination. And he was also a slaveholder. It had been said that he cared more about the experiments than the actual compassionate treatment of the women. But of course, these were slaves. He owned them. He bought them. He bought them. He sold them. He did what he wanted with them. And of course, they couldn't say no. He caused untold suffering under the racist notion. Here we are back to this, that black people did not feel pain. See, right now, today, we live in a society where the doctors often do not medicate with painkiller or other medications. Black folks the way they do white folks. They did not care about the pain. Bottom line is he used his slaves. He used enslaved black bodies as medical test subjects. And he worked on these women with no numbing, no anesthesia. Now, his decision to use it or not use it for any or any other numbing techniques was based on his misguided belief that black people didn't experience pain like white people do. It's a notion that still persists to this day which is why when it comes to being medicated and it comes to convalescence when you're in the hospital, white folks are treated very differently. And many will say that that's not true. But until you've been black and you've been treated, you're not going to know that. So say what you want. And like I've said before, they always think they get to tell us how to feel and what we're thinking, which is exactly the same attitude that this man had about the pain of those he was experimenting on. And that same conditioning has been handed down from generation to generation to generation. It's amazing, isn't it? So thing is this, these same ideas that many non-black people harbor, these are all byproducts of a time past, but that are still part of our society. And a lot of people don't really understand where a lot of it came from. And so it's easy to dismiss it. Y'all know I like to tie history to what's happening today because without us understanding where these things came from, it is very difficult to understand why they are the way they are. And then when you don't know the right questions to ask, you're going to never know the right answer because you can't give an answer to a question that hasn't been asked. Anyway, this particular slaveholder, he caused a lot of pain because of his ignorance According to a study conducted at the University of Virginia, it was published on April the 4th, of 2016. Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. They say that right now, today, people still harbor the same ideas about black folks not 
feeling pain the same as white folks. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty incredible. And he's also uh, guilty of other brutal experiments and so-called treatments. He worked on black children who were slaves. Then the crazy thing about that is that like right now, if something, if we go in for a surgery or something like that, you know, we have the option to say no. We can say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool on that. You didn't have that option. I actually read an account while I was studying up for this particular story where one of the women that he was working on, if you've ever been in one of those offices where you see the table that's got the stirrups on it where the ladies put their feet up, they didn't have that. These women were made to get on their knees and then bend over while he worked on or did whatever he was going to do in terms of his experiments. And if one of them died, no loss. This is the way they were done. They were treated like similar to if you ever watched somebody operate on a horse or a cow and they're standing on all fours and that kind of thing. So just to give you an example. Now, in the 1850s, this guy, Sims, he moved to New York and opened the very first women's hospital. In fact, they had a statue dedicated to him in Central Park that has since been removed because he is considered like those other statues that they've been taking down, them Confederate guys. He was one of those, uh, the symbolism of what he was about, people didn't want, they wanted it gone. So it is gone. So while he was in his hospital, he continued his uh, controversial treatments. And anytime something went wrong, whenever his medical treatments didn't work out, he would criticize the mothers. If any of his patients died, for example, according to him, the blame laid squarely on the sloth and ignorance of their mothers or the black midwives who attended to them. Now, that sounds like some other narcissist I know who takes the blame for nothing. Nothing he ever does is wrong. Now, Lucy, Anara and Betsy, those three, those were three of his slaves, his three guinea pigs. These are the unsung black heroines of women's modern medicine. Just remember that these three women are the ones who took the pain. They're the ones who suffered without anesthesia to begin what we now know as gynecological medicine. Now, black folks tend to avoid clinical trials. Y'all know what them are, right? Where they study for to see if a medication works and that kind of thing. Y'all ever seen those things where you can go and they pay you a certain amount of money if you stay two weeks and they do experiments and that kind of thing? Most black folks don't do that. Wonder why? After all of this we've said tonight, do you wonder why? We avoid clinical trials. Which, on the one hand, we understand why. But on the other hand, you have to understand that when they do these clinical trials and no black people are involved, we don't know what's going to affect us and what's not because not enough of us involved. We stay away for good reason because we've never had trust where they are concerned. The medical profession, to some degree, suffers. And so do we because we cannot trust that they're going to do the right thing. That's insane to me. But this is the world we live in. The only time we'll get up and go to the doctors if it's an absolute necessity. The only time we're going to take part in a trial or any of that, it's got to be a necessity. So a new poll by the NPR, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health found that about a third of African Americans say that they have experienced discrimination at a doctor's office or a health clinic. And the poll also found that one in five African Americans avoids medical care because of concern about discrimination. 
Isn't that amazing? You can't even get health care without being concerned. Some quotes that I picked up along the way about this topic. There's one that says, I see my friends mentioning Tuskegee all the time on Facebook. There's a lot of deep, deep seated fear and concern that black lives don't matter and that the medical community really will harm people of African descent on purpose, just for profit or just to help someone from another race. Some people's reluctance has nothing to do with Tuskegee or Henrietta Lacks. Don't forget that the study is asking volunteers to give up a sample of their DNA. A sample of your DNA. Ooh. African-American participation in genetics research found that African-American participants worried about the use of DNA data collected in biomedical research and later criminal investigations to implicate innocent people. See, there's something to think about. Yet another conversation that has to be had. Yet another conversation that has to be had that white folks don't have to have. That's three. Three conversations. The first one, how to deal with the police. The second one, you need to go see a doctor and get a checkup. Take care of yourself. And now the third one, my DNA. Nope, you can't have a sample of my DNA. Man says, nope, not my DNA. I can't, says 51-year-old Clarence Johnson Jr., who also lives in Harlem. I don't know what they might use it for, he says. It might link me to something I don't want to be linked to. Any criminal activities. Ethnic minority patients receive less information, less empathy, and attention from their physicians regarding their medical care than their white counterparts. So the same mistrust that fuels the lack of participation in medical care is the same mistrust that has many blacks continuing down this winding road of conspiracy theories. Because, you know, black folks, we always looking for the okie doke. Always. And we should. The government is supposed to have the best interests of its citizens in mind but has proven on countless occasions that it doesn't just by the things we've discussed on this show right now today. We don't ever know what they're giving us or when they're experimenting because the government is very secretive. They say one thing and do something else. A lot of people still don't believe that coronavirus is real. Let's think about that. This is the, this is how far the distrust goes in the black community. Black folks running around here, man, it's man-made 5g. 5G created coronavirus. We coming up with everything in the world why coronavirus is or isn't a thing. The problem is that the mistrust runs so deep that it easily gives birth to all kinds of conspiracy theories. What can we expect? There was a man who said he sat in the driver's license bureau for about 45 minutes. Every black person that was in there asked that they'd like to be put on the organ donor list. And every black person said no. Every person of another race, they asked, was like, yeah, no problem. And I immediately said no. And this thing in my head was telling me they will misuse my organ. And we all know that this could actually be even worse. I mean, think about it. How many times have we heard a story about some young black person coming up missing only for their body to be found with their organs missing? This further lends toward the distrust. My suggestion and I tell people this all the time. Keep your blood type to yourself. The rest of the world doesn't need to know that. You keep that close to your vest the same way you do your social security number. I personally, I'm not telling anybody else what to do. I personally do not go for the organ donor thing 
You will not get my DNA voluntarily, and I will not tell you my blood type. The organ donor thing, I mean, that's that's kind of like a no-brainer. You know, I'm I'm worried somebody's going to be like, look at back at my license after accident and be like, oh, look, he an organ donor. Uh, he coded. Uh, don't worry about it. We need his heart. That's the distrust I have. That's my paranoia. No, 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 and no. Um, when they when they cremate my ass, it'll be with everything that came with me that I still have possession of. As far as my DNA goes, you don't need that. My blood type, you don't need that either. There's good reason for the mistrust. So the question becomes, when these virus vaccines become available, what is the likelihood that you might get one? Ladies and gentlemen, you know you can always reach the Black Factor at Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and now Instagram. Feel free to check in with me at any time and hang out. I thank you all for coming. I thank you all for listening. I hope I was able to plant some seeds and do your homework. Like I said before, and I'll always say, don't believe anything that comes out of my mouth. I want you to treat me like the government. Don't believe me. Look it up. Get your copy of The Black Factor, bmforbes.com, in the shop section. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been real. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I want you all to have a fantastic weekend. On Monday, I have a special guest coming on. We are going to talk about mental illness and depression in the black community. This is going to be a very important show. And I will have on a special guest who has a story for y'all. And trust me, you don't want to miss this. This is going to be a fantastic show considering the topic. But it is very important and it's very important for us to pay attention. Stay out of trouble. Wear your mask, mask it or casket. And I'm gone. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Now, let us not forget, this is the same guy who asked for the death penalty for the Central Park Five. The same guy who took out a full page ad to say that he wanted to see these five innocent, found to be innocent individuals executed. So maybe he has a thing for executing black people. Or maybe it's just he's got a bloodthirsty need for murder. I don't know.